I want to preach to you tonight is that you don't have to die lost. There's a God in heaven that's looking for you tonight. And there's a church on earth that's looking for you tonight. Somebody has formed a search party and they're seeking after you. They're on their knees praying for you. They're shedding tears for you. They're pushing back plates for you. And they're concerned about you because they don't want you to die lost. And friend, whenever we can find you and bring you to an altar of repentance and preach you under conviction, not only is there going to be rejoicing in heaven, but there's going to be rejoicing in the house of God. This is CPC Vault. Teachers that I had are those that make things come to life. And uh, Jesus was a master teacher. And he, he had a way of making things just come to life. <clears throat> the thing I really appreciate about him and his teaching is, is that uh, he was close to nature. Matter of fact, uh, he created nature. And he used it constantly. You might say he was a down-to-earth preacher or down-to-earth teacher. I like that. <clears throat> I like that. He never used real big words. I've seen preachers use these what to call $5 words. <laughs> With inflation, they're $10 words now. <clears throat> but uh, Jesus used illustrations he, he, he talked about trees. He talked about grapevines. He talked about corn. He talked about wheat. He talked about birds of the air. Let's look at that right now. Birds of the air. Uh, can't. They flew off. Okay. Somebody shot our bird, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, you won't be able to see that. But I, I can picture him sweeping his hands toward the heaven to his audience and, and catching a flock of birds flying over. And he said, consider the, the fowl of the air. Everybody craned their neck, look. And then he pointed off in the valley with his finger and he told him, he said, consider the lilies. Consider them. And uh, he just had a way of drawing people's attention to a tremendous truth. And I hope this morning that we can get this truth quicker than anything else. I hope we never forget it <clears throat> when he says, consider the lilies. Now, there, there are over 100 species of lilies. And uh, these things, all of nature. You know, we, we talk, we're going to be talking about considering the lily, but before we do that, I want us to consider the God of the lily, <laughs> the one who made the lily. We're, 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 we're blessed to be serving such a wonderful God. Uh, Psalms 19 and 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show his handiworks. And so I don't know how a person can look in a starry sky and not believe in God. I don't know how they can look at a golden sunset and not believe in God. 
and not realize there's a master of, of, of the universe. Just the smell of a pine forest or the roar of a waterfall. And realize when you see all of this, the sunset, the, the waterfalls, <clears throat> that all these things were set in order. The order of our creation ought to remind us that God is real and that he's the creator of all things. The order of the universe ought to tell us that somebody was in control. Order don't just happen. When you, when you take away order from anything, you know what you have? You got chaos. And before the Lord came on the scene, the Bible said the earth was without form and void. <clears throat> but when he came and began to speak things into existence, let there be light, and there was. And he created the trees, and he, he created the seasons. And, and you know, it would be kind of foolish to think if we just piled all the material out here in this building that's in this building and, and put a stick of dynamite in there and just let it blow up, poof, and we'd have this building. <laughs> it don't happen that way. <clears throat> there, somebody has to be a creator. Somebody had to be an architect and draw the plan. An architect had to have a plan in his mind where the walls were going to be, where the doors were going to be. I'm glad to know that God is the architect of the universe that I live in. We have a sunrise because he said to. We have a sunset because he said so. We have flowers because he said so. We have the fowls of the air because he said so. <clears throat> Amen. Notice what Isaiah 48 and 13 said. My hand laid the foundation of the earth. And my right hand stretched out the heavens. When I call them, they stand up together. I mean, he put the earth on its axis. Axis that you can't see, but it's turning. And it's turning in a system. It's tilted in just the right direction that we can get our seasons from. He put it just the right distance from the sun. That we won't burn up if it was too close. We'd freeze to death if it was too far. But it's just right. God did everything just right. Amen. Even the winds, the disciples said, obey him. You remember the story of the, the storm? Let me tell you what. There's an insurance company called Allstate. And they advertise that you're in good hands when you're with them. <laughs> now, that's debatable. But I know one thing, God's like all state. You're definitely in good hands when you're with him. <laughs> Amen. You know, uh, we got all, I don't know about you, uh, I'm almost insurance poor. Car insurance, life insurance, hospitalization, homeowners. They tell me you even have, they even have pet insurance. <laughs> don't have to worry about me on that. But having insurance gives you a sense of Assurance against a calamity. Well, we're talking this morning about the best insurance you can have. When you got God, you don't have to worry. You're covered. Praise God. You're covered. And all these problems that causes us to worry and to be fearful and 
uh, have anxiety over the future. Uh, Jesus is teaching us in this sixth chapter of Matthew about we shouldn't worry. He's in control. Now that's the whole point of the whole message that he's teaching here. Don't worry. Consider the lilies. I take care of them. Consider the fowls of the air. I take care of them. Have you ever seen a bird have a nervous breakdown? Sing your troubles away. Have you ever saw a bird worry? <laughs> it's kind of like this old fellow that he had credit card and debt running out of his eyeballs. And he said, told somebody, he said, I lost my job. My car's been repossessed. My house is in foreclosure. He said, but I'm not worried about it because you see, I hired a professional worrier. And a fellow had to think about that in a while. And he said, well, that's fantastic. How much does a professional warrior charge you for his services? The fellow said, oh, $50,000 a year. The fellow swallowed hard and said, where, where are you going to get that kind of money? And he said, I don't know. That's his worry. <laughs> but we do worry. It's our nature to worry. And Jesus is telling us, don't perplex yourself about the future. Three times in this scripture, Jesus says, do not worry. Back in the King James Version, when it was published, the, the clause, take no thought, you know where he said, take no thought tomorrow? That, that in today's lingo would be, don't worry, don't be anxious. Take no thought, don't worry. The English word worry comes from an old Greek word or German word that means to strangle or choke. And that's what worry does. It's a kind of mental and emotional strangulation. Worries will strangle you to death. Now this is more serious, and we're going to get into some medical terms here, but this is more serious than what a lot of people think. Worry is bad for you. And Jesus has given us a prescription here. Consider the lilies. Consider the fowls of the air. There we go. We got it. Consider the lilies. Do that again. I want to see that. Can we do it again? I worked hard on that. I want to see. Look, there's the fowls of the air. I mean, he's in control of everything from the eagle to the hummingbird. Amen. All right, the lilies. So the Greek word for a worry literally means to be drawn in different directions. So worry pulls us apart. It tears us up. I heard, I read this and I put it in my notes. It said the hardest wart to remove is a worry wart. God feeds the birds. He clothes the lilies of the field. You don't think he's going to feed and clothe us? We're much more valuable than the birds. We're much more valuable than the lilies because we're created in his image. Not only that, we are his children. Praise God. How do you get relief? It ain't Rolades. 
is putting God in your life first. You see, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added, will be added unto you. Worry is faith in the devil. Exactly. Actually, it's just another way of saying doubt. And we're going we're gonna to get into that. Let me let me tell you what Paul wrote in Philippians 4 6. He said, It reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now listen to what Daniel said, Daniel 2 and 20. Daniel answered said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Now, if God can handle everything in the world, and he is, he can certainly handle my little problems. I'm telling you, the world's in his control. When we worry, we believe more in our problems than we believe in God's promises. When we worry. He closed the flowers of the field, uh, and he's our father. Somebody said one time, worrying doesn't give you anything but wrinkles. And that's something else to worry about. <laughs> I read this about an 85-year-old lady. Uh, and she wrote this, and I thought it was so amazing. She said, if you live to be 75 years old, you will have lived over 657,000 hours. That's almost two-thirds of a million hours that you're going to live if you get 75, and that's too much to be anxious about. And she said, if, if I had my life to live over, I would relax more. I would rumble around more. I would be sillier on this next trip. I would take fewer things so seriously. I would take more trips. And then I love this. She said, I'd eat more ice cream and less prunes. <laughs> you know what worrying is? Worrying is like putting your car in neutral and riving up the engine. You're burning oil and you're burning gas, but you're not going anywhere. And that's what worry does. It just ribs up your engine and it's not producing anything. Quotes about worrying. Blessed is the man who is too busy to worry in the daytime and too sleepy to worry at night. When a man's that way, he's blessed. A problem not worth praying about is not worth worrying about. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. Dr. Charles Mayo of the famous Mayo Clinic, he writes, and I quote, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the gland, and the whole nervous system. I have never met a man or known a man to die of overwork, but I have a lot, known a lot who died of worry. So ulcers are not caused by what you eat. Ulcers are caused by what's eaten on you. Medical science has closely tied heart trouble, blood pressure problems, ulcers, thyroid 
malfunctions, migraine, headaches, and a host of stomach disorders on worry. An estimate 25 million Americans have high blood pressure due to stress and anxiety. Eight millions have stomach ulcers. Every week, 112 million people take medication for stress-related symptoms. And they say that 40% of the things that we worry about never happen. Now, according to one study, it said people's number one fear is public speaking. And their number two fear is death. That don't seem right. That means the average person, if, if you go to a funeral, you'd be better off being in the casket than you would be up there preaching the funeral. Worry, let me tell you what worry reveals. It reveals that you've got a defective understanding of God. You don't understand God's role in this. And that's what Jesus is pointing out here this morning. He said, consider the lilies. I clothe them. I take care of them. Consider the fowl of the air. They don't worry. I take care of them. How much more will I take care of you? My God, I'm glad I'm in God's hands. Praise God. Hallelujah. Another thing worry reveals, it reveals that you do not fully trust God's promises. Now, we've, he's given us a promise. And worry reveals that you're mastered by your circumstances. Let me tell you something. When your knees start knocking, kneel on them. <laughs> That'll help them stop knocking. I heard a fellow talking about that public speaking. He was so nervous about getting up in front of people. And, and you know, you can, you, I, I've seen speakers that you could just see the nervousness. You ever, you ever seen that? And that it, it's there. And, and this one fellow got up and he says, now if you hear any applauding, he said, that's not applause. He said, that's my knees knocking. <laughs> I like this scripture, Psalms 103, verse 14. It says, for he knoweth our frame. I think about that. He remembereth that we're just dust. He knows how we're built. He knows our frame. He designed us. He's the master architect of me. Some of you think he done a poor job on me, but hey, here I am. I'm a product. You, you know, when you, when you go buy a truck, they got half-ton trucks, they got three-quarter-ton trucks, and they got one-ton trucks. They, they've got them rated. And, and those rates, half-ton, three-quarter-ton, a one-ton truck, are indicators of the amount of load they can carry. Isn't that right? Who put that, who put that rating on them? Did the, did the dealer do that? No. Did the, the, the guy that painted them do it? No. I'm going to tell you who put it on there. The designer. The architect. He said, I'm going to design this truck that it'll be a one-ton truck. 
I'm putting heavier dis- suspensions and I'm putting heavier ball joints and everything's going to be heavy duty on this thing. Listen, the Bible said God knows our frame. He knows what we can carry. He knows what kind of load we can bear. And he said, I won't put more on you than you can bear. Didn't he say that? Praise God, because he knows our frame. He's not going to let the devil overload me. He'll just tell the devil, no, he's not rated for that. No, he can't carry that. If the devil tries to overload us, you know what the Lord will do? He'll, he'll help us. He'll, he'll take up the load. Amen. Gordon MacDonald said, no man ever sank under the burden of the day. It's when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of the day that weighs more than a man can bear. It's kind of like this fellow that fell off the barge working on the Mississippi River. And uh, when he fell off, he went under and he come up cried for help, went under and come up and cried for help. And finally he said, if somebody don't help me, I'm going to have to let go of these chains. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you what, if I fall over, that's the first thing I'm going to do is let go of the chain. And some folks try to fight for the life and hold on to the chain. That's why God said we need to let go and trust him. Let me, let me read to you Psalms 37. That's, that's one of your favorites, isn't it? For the Stokes. Verse 23 through 26. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Now listen to this. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. My Lord, I'm in good hands. Oh, I'm glad the architect of the universe, the, the, the one that created me to start with, has got his hands underneath me. And he said, I'm not going to let him fall. I'm not going to let him be destroyed. That, that's why David went on to write, I have been young and now I'm old. That's the same verse. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. He is ever merciful and leadeth and his seed is blessed. Whew. Consider the lilies. The Lord said, just take a look at that. I take care of that. Watch those birds up there. I take care of them. Are you not more valuable than birds? Are you not more valuable than the lilies of the field? I'm telling you, God thinks more of us than we think of ourselves. John Carver was telling about this young boy years ago that and it may have been him himself, I don't remember for sure, but he'd always heard about these blue runner snakes that chase you. And he was always, he feared them. He worried about them. Coming up on a blue runner snake and it chasing him. Well, one day his mother, uh, her iron went out and she asked if he would go to the neighbor's house who lived half a mile or so away and borrow their iron so she could finish ironing the clothes. So he took off and he got the, he got the uh, iron, but all the way there, he was looking for one of the blue runner snakes. All the way home, he was looking for a blue runner snake. And one time he looked over his, his shoulder, and there it was. And it was coming at him. And boy, he took off running as fast as he could. 
Every time he glanced over his shoulder, it was still right there behind him. And he had run fast, fast, fast till he got home. And he was so out of breath. He ran up on the porch and he figured he was safe. He turned around and looked and there it was. And he looked again and it was the card off that iron. <laughs> That's what worry does to you. It, 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 it wasn't what he thought it was. It was his worry. I, I believe some folks are running from things they don't need to be running from. They're worried about things they don't need to be worried about. Consider the, the birds. Consider the lilies. They, they don't sow. They don't reap. But yet God takes care of them. The lilies don't toil. They don't spin. Yet they're clothed with more beautiful or more beautiful than Solomon. The point he's getting across here that God looks out for the birds. He looks out of the flower. You don't flowers, you don't think he's going to look out for you? Because we're more valuable. Matthew Henry said, he feeds the birds and he will not starve his children. Don't worry. All through Matthew, don't worry, don't worry. Your heavenly father. I went back and counted in Matthew the sixth chapter 12 times the term father, your father, Heavenly Father, thy Father. But 12 times in that one chapter, he talks about the Father. Your Father. Your Heavenly Father. Everybody say, my Heavenly Father. Looking out for me. You moms and dads know how to look out for your children, don't you? Well, we're nothing but children in God's eyes, and he looks out for us. He's watching over us. We're the apple of his eye. Can you say Amen. 40% of what we worry about never happens. That's right. Absolutely. When we're worrying, we're not trusting God. Now, now it's, it's easy for me to just get up here and say, don't worry, because I'm as human as you are. And I know what it is to deal with the worry. It's human Nature to worry because we can't see past right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's a worry warder. Right. That's it. That's it. I like that. He said he worried about things. He worried he wasn't going to have anything to worry about. <laughs> you know, fog. How many has ever been in a dense fog before? Now, that can be a scary thing, can't it? When, man, you can't see in the front of you, especially if you're driving. Man, you get all tensed up. I mean, you're driving in the fog and you can't see. And that fog worries you. It's not bad enough to run your wipers, but it's too bad to leave them off. You know what I'm talking about? So you're constantly fiddling with your wipers. But, but you know, I read something interesting. That uh, you, can, you can take 
a fog that's covered seven city blocks that's a hundred foot deep. And if you condensed it down, it would fit in an eight-ounce glass of water. If you condensed it down, it's nothing to it. There's more water in this right here I'm holding my hand than in a fog that will cover seven city blocks a hundred foot deep. Anybody scared of this? You'd, you would be if I threw it at you. <laughs> but uh, worry. The cost of worry. How many hates to pay interest? And I, that's one reason if I do use a credit card occasionally, <clears throat> but I always try to pay it at the end of the month because, man, them credit card interest rates, over 20%, most of them, that's a ripoff. And so, if, but if you can use the credit card and then pay it at the end of the month, you don't pay any interest. So it's a little advantage there. You get to use their money for 30 days. <laughs> but don't use it if you got to, Leave it on there month after month after month. You'd be better off going to the bank and borrowing money at a 4% interest than paying a credit card 21, 24, 25%, whatever it costs. Worry is the interest rate we pay when we borrow from tomorrow's problems. Worry is contagious. You know, they tell me that for an alcoholic, if he's, if he's off the, no, is he, he's on the wagon, right? When he's dry and he's staying away from it, he's on the wagon. And when he takes a drink, he falls off. <clears throat> but anyway, the worst thing an alcoholic can do, now listen to me very closely, the worst thing an alcoholic can do is go to a bar. Makes sense, don't it? Why? Because he's fighting this, this addiction that he's trying to control. And if he's fighting this addiction he's trying to control, why go into that? Stay away from it. Now, I'm coming up on your blind side, all of us are worryaholics. Our nature. We want to worry. We worry when there is nothing to worry about. 40% of the things we worry about never happen. Most of our sicknesses and ailments are caused from stress, relation, and worry. Now, if I'm a worryaholic, and I'm trying to stay away, stay dry. The best thing for me to do is stay away from folks that do worry, that live in the negative, that has no positive side. I need to get quarantined. I want to be around faith-believing people. I want to be around people that trust in God. I don't want to be around people that trust in the economy because that's bad. I don't want to be around people that trust in the government because that's bad. 
I don't want to be around folks that just trust in the world situation. That's bad. But if I can stay around Bible-believing, God-believing folks, that's going to help me to be positive and worry-free. Praise God. Hallelujah. Worry is another way of saying, I don't trust you, God, and I'm not counting on your promises. But we got we to gotta trust God. He knoweth our frame. Psalms 31, 14. I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. And I believe we're in good hands when we're in God's hands. Psalms 34, 10. The young lions do like and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want of any good thing. Psalms 37, 25, I've already given to you. I've been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Psalms 89, 11, no good thing will he uphold from them that walk uprightly. 2 Peter 1 and 3, God has promised to provide those things that are all his, all things, just a minute. God has promised to provide for those that are his. All things needful for life as well as godliness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I don't know if you've ever been around pigs. Uh, I know Brother Graham knows all about it. <clears throat> I, I still remember the time I went to his house. He's going to give me a pig back in the early 70s. I was driving a little Datsun pickup, blue. And uh, I brought me a gunny, a sack, you know, just a little burlap sack to put the pig in <clears throat> and when I went out there to the lot where he was at he was inside the pig pen and they was all squealing carrying on but that big old mama sow was outside the pen she was going around and around she, she was trying to save them pigs she was, she was trying to get in there to him and when she couldn't get in there to him she saw me coming she started after me <laughs> and I broke and run and, and I ran until I hit some plowed ground out there and I tripped and fell and I thought, sure, that old sow was going to be on top of him, and I rolled over to kick her off, but she done lost interest in me. She done run me off, and she was going back to the pen. But see, those little pigs know that if they let out a squeal, mama's going to come a-running. Praise God. I mean, that ain't much resource, is it, just to squeal. But that's all that pig's got to know is how to squeal. And mama... Is going to come on the scene. Hey, did you know we're just one squeal away? His ear's not heavy that it cannot hear. And we start squealing, he's going to come. Praise God. We have a resource. My, my, my. I thought about the old Indian. He finally went to a psychiatrist. He was having a lot of problems. I'm running a little over, but I need to cover some of this. And, and, and the old Indian said, Sometimes I think I'm a teepee. And he said, sometimes I think I'm a wigwam. And the psychiatrist says, sounds like to me you're too tense. <laughs> Rich spend hundreds and thousands on designer clothes. Kings wear the finest of materials. Queens the finest of jewelry. But nothing compares 
to the garments that God covers us with. We are clothed with his righteousness. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 3.27. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Think about that. Ephesians 4.24, put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 1 Corinthians 15.53, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable hath clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying is written, death has been swallowed up in victory. Hey, this morning, I'm clothed with the righteousness of God. Those lilies, I know they come back every spring. They have a a miniature resurrecting power in them. They'll die, but they'll come back. And so it is with us. This old body's going to, this old mortal is going to perish, but but he's clothed with me with immortality. Praise God. We're in good hands. Don't worry. Let's stand together. Ask the musicians to come. I want us to sing an old chorus, an old song we used to sing around here, Someone to Care. Do you believe he cares this morning? Do you believe he's concerned about you? Sure he is. The hairs on your heads are numbered. Brother Stokes have said this often. He knows how many breaths he put into your body when you were born. He knows exactly how many breaths you're going to take before you die. Now, if he knows what my last breath's going to be, why should I sit around and worry about it? Just enjoy the ones he gave me. And the ones that I got, I want to be praising him. Because the Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I want my last breath to be praising him, and I want my first celestial breath to be praising him still. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's sing it and worship the Lord. Can we do it? Someone to care. Someone to share all the troubles like no other can do. He'll come down from the sky, brush the tears from your eyes. You're his child, and he can. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.